podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Rock Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Metz. Today we are uh, recapping a Nevada game that I'm going to be honest was a lot more lopsided than I was expecting it to be. Uh, and then looking ahead to a George Mason game that is replacing the Colorado game that got uh, canceled due to COVID issues inside the Colorado program. So to help me do that, back for the second time this week, uh, it is our basketball editor over at Rock Chalk Talk, Steve Fetch. Fetch, how you doing today? Yeah, long time no talk, huh? I, I know. It's been forever. My gosh. No, it's it's actually kind of funny because uh, I, I you know I actually had mentioned this on the last on the last podcast too. I had everything all lined up. I was going to do a quick recap of Nevada by myself, and then was going to have a guest on to talk about the TCU and opening up conference play and all that fun stuff. And then of course TCU has to go and get COVID. Uh, so yeah, instead we're playing George Mason uh, coming up on Saturday. So we'll talk about that game here in just a minute. But uh, but let's actually just jump right in that Nevada game. I'm going to tell you it was um, that was not what I was expecting at all. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, frankly, I uh, uh, may or may not have placed a little uh, a little friendly wager, uh, so to speak, on uh, Nevada plus seventeen, and Kansas cleared that in a hurry and, and cleared it by about ten points there. And um, yeah, really, really surprised. Um, defense showed up and did, I think, what you uh, would want it to do. Uh, Nevada uh, only got ten of their twenty nine. Uh, two point attempts at the rim. They only made half of their rim attempts. I mean, both of those numbers are uh, incredibly, um, or yeah, did I say 10 or 29, 10 or 29, two point attempts at the rim. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. Both, both of those numbers are, are exactly what you want from Kansas. I mean, I, I guess, you know, you're, you're obviously not going to be able to, to do this and it's always easy to be like, yeah, if they play like their best game of the year, they'll win a bunch of games, but you know, if they can, can hold teams to, making half of their shots at the rim only and, and, you know, only getting to take about a third of their uh, two pointers at the rim. Um, they're going to win a lot of games. So uh, this is definitely an effort to, to build on and, and something that, you know, sure. Nevada is not the greatest opponent uh, in the world, but you know, they've had worse uh, performances against worse opponents. So, you know, a, a little bit of a building block here as we build toward big 12 season. Yeah. I mean, and, I'm going to be honest, this game looked like it was going to be just like so many of, you know, the the Kansas games that we've seen in this year where they get out to a hot start, you know, they go up by a whole bunch, then they let the other team claw back either at the very end of the first half or, you know, early in the second half, and then it's a dogfight the rest of the way, and this game didn't really happen that way. Like, yes, they, they got up super big early, and then they let them come back towards the end of the first half, but they finished out the first half on a, on a decent run to go off, you know, to go up big and then just completely blow them out of the water. The second half, um, like of, of the performances though, like, was there somebody specific that jumped out to you or is there something that didn't happen in this game that really jumped out to you as well? Yeah, I think, you know, starting with what didn't happen, you know, uh, Kansas is really starting to shorten the bench a little bit, kind of as we you know thought they would, but um, you know, they're, they're kind of a little bit more uh, than I thought they would though. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, only 11 minutes for Mitch Lightfoot, uh, kind of weird, only 21 minutes for Jalen Wilson, only 22 minutes, you know, everyone just kind of played either 30 or 20 minutes other than Mitch Lightfoot. Uh, and then that was it. So, you know, I don't know about you, but I mean, that's the thing that kind of stood out to me more than anything else. Yeah. If, if you had told me that we were going to have a six man rotation, um, and that it was not going to include 
Well, I mean, if you had told me that there was going to be a six-man rotation, I would have thought that this was a team that was struggling with talent. Like, they didn't have very many guys, and they were forced to play. Um, you know, and, and I would have expected there would be at least two or three guys that would be playing all 40 minutes. And, and that's not the way it's happened. You know, I mean, yes, they have they have absolutely phenomenal guard play, but this is a game where David McCormick was, you know, on, and when he wasn't in there, Jalen Wilson was pretty much playing for him. Yes, Lightfoot got 10 minutes, 10 or 11, depending on, on where you look, but... Like, K.J. Adams got seven minutes, which I thought he would have had more, or at least someone would have had more. Jalen Coleman-Lands only had six minutes. Like, they have shortened the bench to the point where I don't even know that they necessarily have a bench. Like, they've got a sixth guy and then Lightfoot who comes in in emergencies, basically. And that's it. Because, I mean, this game was far enough out of hand that K.J. Adams, like, all those guys that got less than 10 minutes weren't in during meaningful minutes for this game. Or, or if they were, it was, like, to come in, they did something really stupid and then checked out. I actually had to go run an errand like right at the end of, I think it was the end of the first half uh, or, or maybe it was the beginning of the second half. And, you know, Bill Self had checked in a whole bunch of guys like Yesifu, uh, I think Clements, Jalen Coleman, Lane. like it was essentially a, a, a whole style lineup change, you know, at, at that particular point. They got four possessions, did some really bad stuff, let Nevada score, you know, more often than they should have. And Bill Self immediately puts all the starters back in. So like, you know, the way that the, the, that the radio guys were talking about it, it, it was a hockey lineup change. Like they literally just subbed everybody back in. And so, I mean, that's a bad sign. I think if you're talking about this team, cause I don't think it's reasonable to expect that you're going to be able to get six guys to play basically all of the minutes going forward. Yeah, and I guess I, I wonder what will happen when Bobby Pettiford comes back from his injury. You know, he had kind of seen his minutes go down a little bit even before he got hurt. Um, but I, I don't know that you can go an entire season with just Remy Martin and, and Dewan Harris in the backcourt. I think you probably do need a third ball handler. Um, Joe Yesifu had, had played well early to start the season, and I think he kind of earned some more playing time than he's gotten, but he's been he's been pretty rough lately. So uh, Pettiford would seem to be that other guy. Um, yeah, you wonder, you know, thing, good things seem to happen when KJ Adams comes in. Um, I'm still not sold on him for, you know, reasons we've talked about earlier in the podcast, uh, or earlier in earlier episodes, um, for this year anyway, for his career, I, I think he's going to be a nice piece. Um, Zach Clemens is a guy who I think maybe could get some more playing time, but, um, you know, maybe not a ton of minutes, maybe five to 10 minutes is about all he needs. If, if David McCormick isn't going to play like this. And, you know, the other thing to say, I think is that, you know, Nevada has a couple of seven footers and, you know, lo and behold, McCormick has maybe his best game of the season, certainly one of them. And so I think that just backs up what we were talking about that uh, he's better against teams with a, you know, a, a back to the basket, big man to go against, maybe not necessarily a, a mobile back to the basket, big man, you know, like a, like an Evan Mobley last year from USC. But if you got a guy, he can go, you know, mano a mano in the paint against um, that's going to, I think, uh, open things up for for the rest of the team, and, and he's shown that he can score against those, those guys as well. So, you know, if you're planning ahead uh, for for March Madness brackets and you know, teams that you want to see, teams that you want to avoid and stuff, I think you know you scout ahead and, and look at the teams that have those those big statuesque big men in the middle as teams that you want to see Kansas playing in March. Yeah, I mean, it it is one of those things where um, David McCormick seems to be one of those guys where. You know, he plays up or down to the level of competition, to be honest. Like, we talk about teams that do that all the time. McCormick himself seems to be one of those guys where he, if he has someone to bang against and, you know, really challenge him on the inside, he rises to that occasion and usually plays pretty well, um, you know, when he is when he should be just physically dominating who he's playing again, 
against inside, he doesn't necessarily seem to do it nearly as well. And so, but, you know, I, I do think we kind of buried the lead a little bit with this game that maybe when you have, you know, six players that are playing as well as these guys were playing, um, then maybe you don't really necessarily need to have a, you know, long bench. I mean, you look at the six guys and Remy Martin had the lowest offensive rating of all of the players and his was at 107, which is phenomenal. Like you look at how well they played offensively, especially, and they were absolutely killing Nevada all night long. Um, you know, at one point I actually tweeted, I didn't realize that KU basketball was hosting a dunk contest. Cause I mean, Ochai, I think he had a windmill. He had a 360. He had, uh, I forget what other, well, like he was, he was showing off in this game quite a bit. They were lobbing all over the place, trying to dunk like crazy. You could tell they hadn't been playing for a while, that they were anxious to come back and they were super hyped up. Um, I mean, any, any particular player that really stood out to you, or, or I should say any facet of a particular player's game that you really wanted to highlight? Yeah, you know, I think Christian Brown continues to be a, you know, a revelation this year. Um, even last year when he was quote-unquote struggling, you know, I, I thought that he was given a, a little bit of a bad rap by the fans just, just because, you know, a lot of it came down to the fact that he just wasn't shooting the ball as, as well as he was as a freshman. And, you know, the three-point shot still isn't where you hope it will be in the future, but, um, you know, he's sure, sure shooting twos pretty well and, um, you know, I think he's shown that his early season performance isn't a fluke. And, and I think we can probably count on him going forward, maybe not to be a, a 20 point a game scorer, um, but, you know, to be a consistent member of the offense, a guy who's going to, you know, do work on the offensive glass, a guy who can defend really well, just a really multifaceted player. And then, you know, really quick, um, I mentioned uh, on Twitter that Jalen Wilson looked super lost, but he finished, you know, seven points, nine rebounds. Um, looked pretty good in the second half there. Now you could say that, Hey, the game was over when he was doing most of his damage and you know, how much of it was, you know, Nevada basically quit trying that sort of thing. But, you know, for a guy who I think just needed to to see the ball go through the hoop and to see some good things happen, um, I, I'd consider that a positive for him and, and hopefully a step forward. Cause you know, at his best, you know, he's a really good player, like a, you know, an, an all big 12 honorable mention, all big 12, 13 type guy, um, and so if he can get to that level, you know, that's a, that's another weapon on offense. And, um, you know, a, a guy who can probably spell David McCormick at the five, and then you don't have to lean on, you know, a Mitch Lightfoot, a KJ Adams, a, a Zach Clements as much uh, down there as well. So, right. so two big positives, I think, for them. Yeah, yeah. The other guy that I, that I really want to highlight, because we actually have been talking about him somewhat, but he continues to impress, I think, is Dewan Harris. Um, you know, he is definitely he, – he was by far – uh, the highest offensive rating from that particular game, you know, with 14 points, he, he was at a 163 according to Ken Palm. He didn't miss a shot. Um, like he was three of three from two, two of two from three. He was on an absolute hot streak. Had five assists to only two turnovers. Um, it was actually kind of funny because you did your you know Friday for you trivia over on Twitter today, talking about uh, turnover rates and assist rates, and uh, I was shocked by the numbers. Um, because I, I had my own guesses and I was wrong because they were the ones that made the most sense. And then you actually go look at what's going on and, um, you know, I'll, I'll, well, I'll go ahead and repeat them here, but definitely credit to you for looking them up and and putting them out there. Uh, Joseph Yesufu actually has the highest assist rate. And I definitely think that's a super small sample size type type of thing. I would have thought it'd be a guy like Dewan Harris. Um, and he is clearly the second, the second best in terms of assist rate, um, but, you know, it is one of those things. He has clearly, I think, taken that role of what like a Marcus Garrett did last year where, yes, his offense isn't nearly as good 
as all the guys that are around him, but he doesn't necessarily need to be. He facilitates. He really helps the offense run. I'm having a hard time imagining what this team would be like if a guy like Dewan Harris was not on the court. Um, and, you know, thinking about what we thought of him coming into this year, the way that we thought he was going to kind of incorporate into the rest of this lineup. I mean, that's a huge thing of praise for him. You know, the fact that he is the guy even above Remy Martin uh, in terms of who actually makes this offense go. Yeah. And I think, you know, his, um, you know, Harris's turnover rate, uh, I think is probably a little bit in, inflated by the fact that, you know, he never shoots. And so he's not using a ton of possessions. So every turnover that he makes is, is magnified um, by, by a lot. So, you know, I think that that's probably a little bit artificially inflated um, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a little different to me. Uh, you know, Mitch Lightfoot has a similarly high turnover rate. Um, he's also not committing many in terms of like actual numbers, but because he doesn't, but because he doesn't, you know, use that many possessions, um, you know, his turnovers are, are magnified. Um, Harris, on the other hand, you know, his, his, the ball's in his hands all the time. So even though he's not using the possessions, he still has the ball. So, you know, those turnovers are, um, that turnover rate, I think is a little bit, um, a little bit inflated because of that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and it's also one of those things, like if you're, I, I don't actually have the numbers for his assist to turnover ratio, but when he is giving that many assists, you can, you know, you can stomach a little bit higher of a turnover rate, especially when, like you said, it, it seems to be potentially inflated by just the way that that is actually calculated. And, you know, it's uh, like you said, affected by the fact that he is not actually using a lot of possessions himself. So he doesn't necessarily get the credit for terminated possessions that are, you know, assists to go to somebody else, but he does get dinged, you know, when he actually turns it over compared to a guy that would normally be taking a lot of shots on his own. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I do think that though, that that really speaks to just how valuable he is. And of course, speaking about value, anytime we're talking about value of teams and players and all that fun stuff, it me- immediately makes me think of sponsor here on the podcast, Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use that sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams by going to Symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com and create a free account. When you deposit, make sure you use promo code CHOCK12 to get yourself that money-back guarantee. Yes, money-back guarantee, meaning... But you can head on over there, deposit up to $500, get started investing, take a look around, pick some teams, ride them for a little bit. If within 90 days you have not made any money and you decide that you're done, you want to pull all of it out. They will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked, the full amount of your deposit up to that $500. So head on over to Simple.com, use promo code SHOCK12, get that deposit to have a money back guarantee up to $500 and start investing and profiting off your favorite teams today. All right, so... Anything else that really jumps out to you from this game? I mean, I think the defensive effort was absolutely phenomenal here. I don't know how much of that, though, is Nevada uh, or how much of it is actually Kansas really stepping up the way that they're playing defense. Yeah, I I think probably, you know, in these types of games, like always, a little bit of both. But um, really, uh, you know, really impressed by um, just the way that they jumped the passing lanes, the way they pressured on defense, that sort of stuff. You know, I think that stuff's repeatable. Um, obviously, they're going to play uh, teams with better guards than Nevada, but, you know, Nevada had a couple of pretty good guards as well. So, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a case where they can force Nevada into a bunch of turnovers and force them to, you know, shoot a terrible percentage, that sort of thing, but then not be able to repeat it. So not that this is going to be the norm going forward, but, 
I definitely think we're going to see the defense, you know, start to improve based off of the way that they played uh, in that game. Well, I mean, I I think the other thing to keep in mind here is, you know, we had talked about what does Nevada like to do? They like to get out and run. They get a bunch of their points off of that. They like to get to the rim because of the fast break points. Kansas didn't really give them that opportunity. And yes, I think a big part of that was the fact that they were shooting so well and, you know, scoring so often that they were able to get get guys back to kind of set up on defense. But even when Nevada was pushing it, um, you had guys that were getting in front of guys. And when Nevada was getting early shots, they were essentially dribbling to the three-point line and cranking up immediately, which aren't really the best way to try to get those quick shots. But it almost felt like Nevada felt like they had to because they weren't able to get into the offense they're used to getting into. Um, and they were definitely getting desperate a lot earlier in this game than I thought they would. And so, you know, it, it definitely seemed like Kansas had a very definitive game plan, a really strong way that they wanted to attack it, and they executed it really well, which is not necessarily something that we've seen. Like, yes, we all have trust that Bill Self is going to be able to get that implemented, and by the end of the year that they're going to be clicking defensively. But I think this was the the first time this season where we saw – hey, there's a very clear thing that Nevada does well, and Kansas actively took that away and forced them to go do something different, and they weren't able to find anything. Yeah, yep, exactly. And then, and then you know, just to, to tie back into what we talked about earlier, just to reiterate, you know, the fact that they were able to keep them away from the rim and, and you know, when they did get to the rim, do a good job of deterring them from scoring, both with, with block shots and just, you know, good, solid, uh, you know, walling up at the rim and, and forcing tough looks, that sort of stuff. You know, assuming they can keep that going, um, I think the defense is going to take a, a pretty big step forward from here on out. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about the way that this is turning out. Um, this team is already kind of shaping up to be better on defense than, they, than you know, they have been previously. Um, and, you know, once they get into Big 12 play, there's going to be a lot of really great defenses. I don't think that most of the Big 12, kind of like what we talked about last time, uh, most of the Big 12 is, doesn't have offenses nearly as good as what Kansas can bring. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Kansas adapts to that and how they deal with life in the Big 12 um, when they are facing good defenses in and out and how that helps them to step up their own game. Because I, I do think that there's something to be said. When your opponent is playing really good defense, it naturally slows the game down in a lot of you know spots and helps you to kind of shore up your own defense as long as you're not giving up tons of fast break points, you know, tons of turnovers that turn into runouts and layups and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I think that's really the main thing to worry about. But the fact that Kansas offense is as good as they are and they're really good about not turning the ball over makes me think that that's not necessarily going to be an issue coming up. Um, anything else about this Nevada game you want to take a look at before we start talking about George Mason? So, so no, but I do want to. Uh, I, I just uh, looked up the the Big 12 offense defense rankings at Torvik right now, and it's crazy. So Kansas is 43rd defensively in Torvik right now. Uh, which is second worst in the Big 12. TCU is 54th. Uh, Texas is 43rd in the Big 12 or in the conference. Jeez Louise, 43rd in the country offensively, which is third best in the Big 12. So the same yeah. corresponding rank will either get you third best or second worst. It's crazy how how good the defenses are in the Big 12. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, uh, it's basically it, the it, same thing. Like if if you look at Ken Palm, Ken Palm has Kansas as 32nd in terms of adjusted D. That is third worst. Uh, the only no. ones worse than them are Kansas State and TCU. Um, in terms of offense, Texas is 33rd. And again, like you said, that is third best. So like, again, it's, yeah. it's a similar sort of thing. Um, it's just so weird to think about how good these defenses are. Um, I'm hoping this doesn't turn into like a Big Ten type of 
conference season where you have a bunch of low scoring games because the defenses are are playing so well. I I, I think yeah. like we talked about, it's going to come back to the pack a little bit that these defenses are going to you know start to play offenses that are that are probably a little bit better than what they have been facing in non-conference, uh, which will help bring them kind of down a little bit and will help, I think, bolster the offenses a little bit, at least hopefully. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really going to be what the differentiator is. Baylor is absolutely phenomenal right now, uh, you know, top five in both offense and defense. Um, but Kansas really isn't that far behind and don't have a lot to do in order to kind of make that up. So we'll see as they get to start playing a lot of these not quite as good offenses uh, going into Big 12 play and kind of pairing that with their own offense that, you know, if, if they can't continue to get that defensive rank to be better and better. And, of course, Bill Self has shown the tendency to get his guys to gel as the year goes on. Um, so I would not be surprised if by the end of the year Kansas has a top 20 defense to go along with a top five offense. Yeah, I, I definitely think the defense is an approval. But I think, you know, we'll see about the offense. Um, you know, it, it's going to depend on uh, how well they shoot the three ball, I think. I think they need that to uh, open things up in, in terms of driving lanes and stuff like that. But um, they do have, you know, the, the enhanced ability this year to be able to get in the lane. I mean, Christian Brown has improved his ball handling and his explosiveness. Same with Lochai Baji. And then obviously, you know, having Remy Martin as your point guard is a guy who, you know, can get basically wherever he wants on the floor uh, at any time. That sure, certainly uh, helped open things up as well. So I do think the offense might regress a little bit when you're playing, you know, bigger, faster, stronger teams. Um, but like you said, I think the defense is, is going to get a lot better as well now that, you know, I think this is kind of the, the time of year where, where players start to, you know, understand what Bill Self expects from them, that sort of thing. And um, he's obviously a really good, uh, a really good teacher. So um, I think that they're going to gonna take a step forward there. And then, you know, I, I do think that we're going to um, have a case where them and Baylor are probably the, the two favorites and, and those two games are going to be quite a bit of fun. Yeah, for sure. All right, I do want to go ahead and look ahead to the George Mason game that's coming up on Saturday. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. And we're back. All right. Here with Steve Fetch, our basketball editor over at Rock Chalk Talk. We just got done recapping Nevada. We're taking a look at George Mason now. And, and you know, another one of these quick scouts because... Obviously, they had to pivot. You know, I was all ready to talk about TCU. I looked and watched a couple of their games. Haven't had an opportunity to do the same thing with George Mason. But when you look at their profile or whatever kind of scouting you've been able to do, Fetch, what is it that jumps out to you most about this George Mason team? 
Yeah, you know, a bit of an up and down uh, season for them. They beat Maryland at Maryland. Uh, they lost uh, to Nevada by 20 points. So if you do the math, maybe cancel, beat them by 40. Um, I know that's not how it works, but uh, they also just beat uh, Georgia at Georgia. So uh, Georgia's not very good, obviously. But anytime, you know, you're a, a team from a, a one-bid league beating a, a Power 5 team at their place, uh, that's pretty impressive. So um, really the the main thing that stands out, obviously, is their coach, Kim English, who, you know, a lot of people remember from those Missouri uh, teams. Um the last time actually I was in Allen Fieldhouse was for that 2012 Missouri game, uh, with uh, which of course uh, featured Kim English. So uh, will be kind of interesting to see what kind of uh, reception he gets back at the Fieldhouse. Uh, I'm sure it will not be a great one. Um, so you know, I, I mean, as far as their team goes, yeah, they're not um, they're not great. Uh, they're ranked outside the top 100 uh, in Torbic. I guess I don't have Ken Palm pulled up, so I can't tell you where they are there but um just kind of just kind of there in everything you know there's nothing that they're like super awful at um they do a pretty good job of limiting teams on the offensive glass although just a quick perusal of who they've played seems to indicate that that's more from teams just not hitting the offensive glass very much so um they're just you know they're just kind of there um one interesting thing i guess is that you know to the inverse of nevada uh, they shoot a ton of threes almost half of their field goal attempts this year are from three. So it's one of those things where even though they're overmatched, uh, if they get off to a hot start from three, it could be a case where, you know, maybe we're sweating things out at halftime or, or even into the second half if they're just, you know, absolutely unconscious. But um, I don't really see a, a scenario where they're going to do any kind of uh, threatening at all. Yeah. So, so they're 129 over at Ken Palm right now. Um, which again, like you said, it's nothing really to be too concerned about. It's actually kind of funny because I was looking at their profile and, you know, realizing that Kim English is their, is their uh, coach. And, um, you know, they've actually kind of taken on what, at least my recollection of the kind of player that Kim English was. Uh, very, very streaky in terms of, you know, one game he's on and is hitting everything like crazy. And the next game, or even sometimes within the same game, he goes cold for large stretches. Um, you know, he seemed to, especially in big games, have more, more big stretches where he was making a lot of stuff than than missing stuff. But this is like this, this George Mason team essentially is the exact same way. The one thing they do well, they are a, a fairly good shooting team, but they're extremely streaky. They'll have, you know, a big 10 to 15 minute stretch where it seems like they can't miss. And then they'll go another 10 to 15 minutes where it looks like they can't hit the broadside of a barn. It, it, it averages out pretty well for them. But the other thing that they don't do well is they do not rebound the ball offensively very well at all. Um, and so, yes, they don't allow their opponents to get a lot of offensive rebounds as well when they're on defense. But um, let me tell you, they typically will shoot it. And if they make it, it's great. If they don't make it, then they're usually done. And so that that is going to be either, you know, well, I mean, I, I think it's kind of similar to the way that Dayton played in the second half where they were making a bunch of stuff. Um, and Kansas was give, kind of giving stuff up that they shouldn't have. But also like Stephen F. Austin, you know, they had huge stretches where they were just making stuff like crazy. And so George Mason kind of has that profile where they can do that sort of thing. They're probably not as consistent as a team like Stephen F. Austin in terms of doing that. And I don't expect Kansas to to really kind of do the same thing that they did. Um, you know, they are locked in at this point. They're getting ready for conference play. Uh, you know, I, I'm imagining that this is probably going to be as excited the fans can be for an opposing coach um, outside of, you know, playing against Missouri just because he, you know, he is such a big Missouri guy. I think a lot of people are going to make that connection. Um, and honestly, I think a lot of people that are there are going to remember 
watching him in the field house, you know, playing for Missouri. And so it'll get a similar sort of reception. We'll see how long they can actually keep this game competitive. Uh, I do think, like you said, if, if they're hot in the first half, Kansas fans could be sweating this one, you know, early, but they are going to have, I think that point where they're going to cool down and it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to really kind of stay in the game at this point. Are, are there any players that jump out to you as, as guys that Kansas fans need to watch? Yeah, so I think Devontae Gaines, uh, he's been their best player this year, um, shooting over 50% from three. He's not taking a, a ton of shots for them, only a um, 16% usage rate, but you know, shooting 50, 56% on twos and, and 51% on threes uh, will certainly get your attention. Um, he's actually played Kansas twice before. He's a transfer from Tennessee. So uh, each of the last two years uh, was on those Tennessee teams that – uh, lost at Allen Fieldhouse and then won last year um, in Knoxville. Played uh, played eight minutes in the uh, the game in Allen Fieldhouse, didn't score, and then played one minute in the game last year and didn't score. So not like he's uh, got a ton of experience against Kansas, but nonetheless, you know, can can uh, tell his teammates a little bit about what to expect uh, coming into Allen Fieldhouse anyway. Yeah, I mean, th- they also do have a couple of outside shooters in Deshaun Schwartz and Devin Cooper who shoot it at a decent clip. Um, you know, 37% and 39% respectively. And they both have shot about 80 so far this year. So again, not super high usage, um, but definitely enough to kind of be worried about. I, I do think though, again, it's, it's sort of an issue where Kansas has a lot of good defenders on the outside. Um, as long as they can prevent them from getting wide open looks, they're not going to be able to knock down consistently, you know, shot after shot after shot. Now, of course I say that, and then we're going to, you know, see what we usually see against Kansas where, out of nowhere, somebody goes, you know, seven of eight um, and, and Kansas is in trouble at that point. But it's definitely one of those things where, you know, they have guys to be mindful of, but there isn't a guy other than Devontae Gaines who just jumps out to you as, hey, this is a guy you really need to worry about because he's just going to go off. The rest of them have have things that they can do. They have some good three-point shooters. You know, they have some some decent rebounders. They have some guys that can play some good defense, but there isn't a single guy other than Gaines who you look at and just like, oh, great, that's a guy that is going to give us a lot of problems. Yeah, I think it's just the, you know, the the team dynamic of all the threes that they shoot, I think, in a, in a one-game sample probably have to make you a little bit worried. You know, you'd rather you'd rather face a team that, like, needs to, to score a bunch of twos like Nevada did um, versus a, a team that's just going to bomb away from three just because of, you know, the – the fact that these are, you know, 20 year old kids and who knows, they might, they might go, you know, 30 for 40 or whatever, just to throw out an insane number and, and stuff like that. So um, you never know what's going to happen, but yeah, I, I just, you know, they don't have the, the athleticism and, and they don't have the, um, the size on the perimeter really, I think to, to do too much bothering. So um, should be a, a relatively easy win, maybe not a, a 40 point game. Like I joked about earlier, but certainly one that I, I don't think Kansas is going to be too threatened. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like you said, um, they do like to shoot the three a lot. So I, I, I imagine that unless Kansas is consciously taking it away the entire night, I mean, they, they shoot 48% of their attempts are from three. So it's pretty much a 50, 50 split. Um, you know, they're they're they shoot at the 14th most out of any team in terms of shooting their shots from three. So it's definitely one where they are going to crank it early. They're going to crank it often. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to definitely be really, really interesting, but I do think that most Kansas fans that are going to be there are going to be as comfortable as you can possibly be. Um, you know, not accounting for the weather, not accounting for the fact that, um, you know, it, it could potentially be pretty chilly, but, uh, speaking of comfort, uh, you know, if you want to be comfortable 
and rocking some of your favorite collegiate apparel, head on over to sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. They have the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers. Uh, you look, it's going to be really cold here in Kansas for, you know, the next week or so. We're finally getting that winter. Uh, you start stocking up on that stuff now and you'll be warm the entire winter long. But they have more than a hundred schools that are available. They're adding new ones all the time. They're actually getting ready to start another big new Saturday, you know, kind of their, their weekly subscription service where you go and you get a new school every single week. Um, they have an eight week lineup from what I understand coming up here. Uh, it is all basketball related releases which are going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm still not sure if it's all brand new schools um, or if it's just a bunch of basketball-related stuff for, for some schools that they already have. But we do know that TCU is coming. It's possible a possibility that they might be releasing that one there. I would not be shocked if, you know, even though I haven't heard anything, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they decided to, like, sneak in a big basketball school, uh, you know, like maybe a Kansas or something, into this lineup. So uh, head on over there, though. They, they have a lot of great stuff. I have a ton of different great shirts. They're super comfortable, absolutely phenomenal. Homefieldapparel.com, use promo code SHOCK12 will get you 15% off of your entire first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, Fetch, uh, anything else about this game or anything about this kind of week coming up? You worried about the fact that maybe we won't get an opener on the 4th, uh, given that Oklahoma State has already had to cancel a couple games because of COVID? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I was going to say. And I guess, you know, if, if they would come out after a couple of canceled games the way Kansas did against Nevada, I mean, maybe you want them to cancel another one uh, so that Kansas doesn't have to face that, uh, that buzzsaw that would come. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I just, I hope they can get it started. I hope they can make it through without the, uh, without too many cancellations, that sort of thing. I did see a thread on Twitter and I mean, you know, this is, I mean, dangerous uh, territories to, to get into, but I think it was from like an actual doctor where there's, uh, a lot of signs that, you know, things could be getting back to normal um, back in, in, in like February, March type deal. So that bodes well for the Big 12 season. That bodes well for the NCAA tournament. So hopefully we can just make it through January. Hopefully that's true. Hopefully we can get to the point where we're we're playing all these games safely and everything. And um, hopefully we can see a lot of a KU wins in the uh, as a result. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and kind of to that point, again, we're not – epidemiologists we're not doctors or anything like that but it does, definitely does make sense with the number of infections that we're seeing the number of games that are being canceled the fact that like it seems like everybody is getting infected right now with this omicron variant uh at some point they're gonna you know run out of people to get infected because they'll have gotten it somewhat recently so that at least gives you some hope that uh yes we're dealing with a really crappy you know setup right now with a whole bunch of teams that are having to cancel I, i'm imagining it's going to hit kansas at some point like you know it's going to happen. They're going to have to cancel a game because Kansas is going to have some COVID issues. Um, you just have to assume that it's going to happen at some point. But ideally, like you said, if we can get through the end of February and then, you know, stuff is done and everybody has a chance to ramp up for the NCAA tournament, we can have a semi-normal NCAA tournament, as normal as it can be at this point. Um, I think a lot of people will be really, really happy about that. So, all right, uh, let's go ahead and do it. What random sports minute do you have for us today? Well, it, this is a random non-sports minute uh, right. at this point. So last uh, last time we talked about the World Junior Hockey Championships. Uh, great segue here because we just talked about COVID. Right. Uh, tournament's canceled because of all the uh, infections and stuff that were going on. There was basically, you know, three or four guys on every team that had COVID at this point. And um, it sounds like they did a, an awful job of setting the thing up where they had it. Uh, you know, all the players were staying in a hotel that, like, were shared with the general public and, um, you know, again, not to get political, but this was like right in the middle of Alberta, which is not exactly 
uh, mask and vaccine central. So everyone was getting infected and stuff. And so they just, uh, they called it cancellation, but it does sound like um, they're going to try to to give it another go in the summer, which will be interesting because that's um, kind of a weird time in the hockey calendar with that's when a lot of players who are in college are signing like pro contracts and, and uh, you know, there's the world championships going on and the NHL playoffs and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting. The rosters are, I would assume going to look different, but um, hopefully we get a, a good hockey tournament in June or July. Yeah. I mean, it'll be a lot of fun. You know, they've always have some, or I should say these last couple of years, we've had some really weird uh, setups in terms of, you know, when stuff is happening and all of that. And, you know, and it's weird too, because, because COVID, the way that the COVID strain is, you know, running around now, like, you know, there's not going to be NHL players in the Olympics for hockey. Um, a lot of different sports calendars are getting messed up. And so hopefully we don't get to a point where everything has to shut down, but it is going to be a story. It's going to shuffle some things. We're going to have an, I think another weird summer of, you know, sport sporting events that we're not used to happening at a specific time are happening now. Um, but at least it will keep us, I guess, somewhat entertained through those normally not much to do except for watch baseball months of the summer. So, um, that's at least a little bit of a silver lining. So, all right. I think that's going to do it for us today. Fetch anything else you want to chat about real quick before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think we, I think we nailed it. Definitely. All right. It's a little bit of a shorter episode today than normal, but that's absolutely fine. Uh, you know, super short notice for this other, for this other game as well. So I think it just all fits, but, uh, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you, Fetch, so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please to go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every single episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. Review over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, but you, you can actually can now give ratings over on Spotify or most of the other apps that you actually have them as well. So if you can give us five-star ratings over there as well, I would really, really appreciate it. It does help to get the podcast out there so everybody can, can see us, uh, you know, and, and, and listen to what we're doing here and helps to grow the podcast so that we can bring more and more great content to you guys. I have a few changes in the works that I'm hoping to kind of get going fairly new or fairly shortly into the new year. Uh, really looking forward to that. Once I have more information, I promise I'll share it with you guys. But if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message. Leave a voicemail there. I promise we'll get it on the show. Uh, we are part of the 1012 network. A lot of great podcasts are over there talking about all the teams in the Big 12 to keep you as up to date as possible on everything that's happening in the conference and how it affects the Jayhawks as well. Uh, just go over uh, at TEN12network on Twitter. You can get links to all the great shows that we have there. But uh, that's going to do it. Make sure you visit our sponsors. Promo code CHOCK12 at both Symbol and Homefield Apparel will get you great deals. Uh, but that, again, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Fetch, thank you for joining me. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan A. Bear, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great. Sorry, Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm gonna try one more time. Between two. Bears. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan A Bear. Uh, Sickum Bears. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. Sports Social Podcast Network.